Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. The day all this kicked off, my music guy had sent me some bad boy stems for the end of the first level of Killshot. Right, it's set in a warehouse after this drug deal goes wrong. I designed it like one of those proper old school western shootouts where no one survives except player one and another guy who's still got the drugs. And the music is kind of like... It's all tense to set the mood. And basically you got one bullet to take the guy out. Now if you hit anything but the head or the chest, the guy escapes. So you gotta take your shot and kill this fool. It's like this. When you take your breath, then take your shot. We drop one of them slow-mo sonic booms. Then we follow the bullet through the air all the way through the flesh till the blood goes on the wall. When Jackson saw the news, he threw up. The whole place was silent and all you could hear was him just, you know, everything inside of him coming out all over the floor. And then Auntie Kemi started singing. Not like it was sad. Something people would sing at a funeral. I just wanted to put in my AirPods and pretend like I weren't there. And I was actually at home sitting on the sofa next to Mum, but I forgot to charge it, my AirPods, before I left for school, so battery died. Everyone was crowded around my phone. You always see stuff like this, like the news saying something bad has happened to someone, someone you don't know, and obviously he's sad and everything, but this was different. He was just standing right there with us. It was proper weird seeing him on this little screen. I like the picture they chose of him in his white clothes, kind of like an angel, Nadim. Yeah. The caption said all these nice things about him. Um. Yeah. Do we have to talk about this? He wasn't dead. There was no way he was dead. This is what they do. They put that out there to amp up the drama and get everyone theorising over who did it. Any excuse to get their own bullets flying at us. This is what they do. Look, you see me? I ain't no doctor. But the man was shot in his shoulder. His shoulder. I mean, who dies from a gunshot wound to the shoulder? <sighs> nah, 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 nah. See, this was all just part of a game. You know, the media ping-pong game they were having with Carl. And because the media put us all on blast, now we're all players. Carl had the news going on his phone. And then we heard that he'd died. The manager, Nadim, who'd got shot when we all... When we... I mean, it, it was an accident. <sighs> so for a man to have died, I don't think I even touched the gun. I mean, I know that my fingerprints, but we were just trying to get out of Carl's hands. It was self-defence. It was all of us. It was, it was none of us. It was... When we heard he died, we just panicked, of course.
People on the internet were saying maybe one of us was working with him, like an accomplice or something like that. Not the proper news. It was like these blogs with these hashtags like hashtag Wilson shooter, hashtag who shot the manager. They mostly thought it was Jackson. Someone found out about his games and found a picture of him and turned it into a meme. I found flowers and put them on the floor where he got shot. And then everyone started arguing, blaming each other for what happened. And I just sat behind the counter and watched the videos of everyone saying we were going home soon again and again. Then I looked up and saw him crying. Carl. And I didn't know what to do. Or what he was going to do. Carl was prowling, you know, acting like an animal. Back up against the wall type of thing. Chain smoking. His mouth dropped to the floor. Cartoon-like. And he just said, Mum? The press were hounding his mum. They were outside her home, cameras up in her face, all talking over one another. She must not watch the news because she didn't have a clue what they were all doing there. I didn't see the family resemblance. And not just because she was white and he was mixed race. Trust me, I get that all the time. You don't look like your mum or your dad. But no, I couldn't actually see any of his mum in him, though. Maybe he came straight out of the earth. See me, I don't judge another man. DTA, don't trust anyone. That's what I live by, I always have, and I always will. Now, from the moment they snapped our faces and pinged them around the world, we were dog meat. These fools online were having a field day. I mean, the world needed more of a story, and I guess we were it. You know, Naomi was scrolling through and reading them out. She read one out that said, Jacko fantasises about killing for a living. He killed Nadim. Hashtag Wilson Shooter. There was blood on my hands. Not because I committed any crime. The manager was bleeding. And I held his hand. I had his blood on me. And then we found out that he... He did not make it. Jesus Christi. It's not supposed to end this way. Penny started her heavy breathing again. And Jackson became sick. The guard was pale. They're not saying anything. People started arguing with each other. Arguing and blaming each other. That was not the time for all that. There is a time for everything. A time for war and a time for peace. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to be born and a time to to die. A time to be silent and a time to speak. I knew exactly what I had to do. The papers have been suggesting that um, perhaps we all were part of um, part of Carl's gang. Um, um, and that you know we were somehow we we were all we were all murderers we were all murderers because um yeah we knew we knew what was happening but uh basically at the end of the day we all wanted to get out alive we all wanted to get out alive and you actually do not ever know what you're going to do <laughs> when someone points a gun in your face you just don't know you just don't know. The fact is, by then, I didn't trust Kemi. 
There was a lot of God stuff with her, which, listen, I'm not against, but she was using it as a weapon, if you know what I mean. Like, she had a right to take charge because she had him on her side. But she was she was quite convincing, and a lot of them were listening. It got very... There were factions. And Maggie trying to take control, well, by then, actually, that was fine by me. I was glad of it. Somebody needed to take charge because Carl by now was reaching crisis point. Well, you know, there was there was blood on his hands, of course. There was blood on all our hands. That's what she said. Really? Trust me, Penny was always angling to be the one in control. So she was never fine with it. Kemi was having a go at Jackson for influencing Carl at every turn. You lot can make your own minds up about that. I would have backed her up, but she seemed to have it under control. If I was anywhere near him, God knows what I would have done. Jackson didn't need to give me any reason to have a pop at him. I wasn't happy. In fact, I was fuming. You want me to go on record? All right, I'll say it. If that lot had gotten behind me in the first place and actually acted like a unit, Nadine would still be with us. I'm sure of it. In fact, Carl freaking out like he did, it calmed the rest of us down. We'd all been arguing, everyone blaming everyone else for the gun having gone off and for the poor man who died. And then when Carl started hurling things off shells, we all stopped. And he just started screaming. A guttural noise, like an animal. And the voice changer was doing this weird sort of drone thing. Every now and then, he sounded like a crazed robot. Then, all of a sudden, it went quiet. I watched Carl smoke three cigarettes in a row. Then it got bare quiet. And everyone was standing in a circle holding hands to pray. Like Auntie Kemi wanted to pray. And I went over and I was standing next to Derek and the guard... He asked me if I wanted his handkerchief because my face was all, you know, messed up and snotty and that. And Then I clocked, like, that was the first time he actually spoken to me. I still have it, the handkerchief. I forgot to give it back. People do die you work with, of course. Sometimes, you know, colleagues. But this, you know, Nadim, he'd interviewed me and employed me, you know, and, and it was in Mulet Cargo. And he was a nice guy. Customers liked him. But <laughs> Carl never meant to kill him. Of course he didn't. Of course he didn't. My dean was 34. Yeah, Carl just wanted to get some money back. Smash and grab, some of the money he was owed, and and he, and he wanted to take a stand, I guess. You know, when you lose your job, you get... But he never meant to kill him. We all sat down on the floor. Kemi was saying some kind of prayers and we were letting her. Was it even a relief? Look, I'm not into any of that, but whatever works. At this stage, we'd have taken anything on offer. People needed to calm down, so I told them to make a circle, hold hands and bow their heads. Prayer always walks. 
Everybody started to relax. The shouting became less. I started by saying, Heavenly Father, you are welcome in this place. Omnipresent One, you see everything. You see all our deeds, the good and the bad. Please, Lord, remember us for our good and have mercy on them for the bad. Thank you for the lives of each and every hostage and our families. Thank you for the life of our dear manager. Bless his family, O Lord. Comfort them, Lord. And forgive the hands that held the gun that harmed him. Forgive them, Lord. For they know not what they did. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They all sat on the floor in a circle. And then they asked me to sit down with them. And I was um, slightly surprised, to be quite honest. I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's a funny thing. As you get older, you become less visible. I think some of us more than others. And you just slightly become thinner and thinner. Not like thin, thin, but like thin and more transparent. And you become like a ghost eventually. That's how I think of it. And then you just haunt places. <laughs> so I like, I haunt the supermarket up and down and up and down. And people don't really see you anymore. So I've kind of given up. I don't bother. Everyone should know their place. Old people should know their place. But she asked me to sit down with them. And um, yeah, I'd had a couple. And so I did, you know. And it was good. All the stories started to come out. Everyone had a story. Everyone had... There was so much. Even me, <laughs> it turns out. <clears throat> but everyone's got a story, haven't they? Everyone's lived a life. Poor woman. That poor bloody woman. Carl told us he was having a baby. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm not crying because he was having a baby. He uh, he said he needed money because his girlfriend was... And he'd been trying to get a job. And then his mum got ill. Sorry. Um, it was something about the quiet then. It had been so... With the police sirens and the shutters going up and down and the screaming and the gun and the megaphones and the rest of it. And then when we heard the poor man had died, we just... We just all sat down and it was quiet. I don't talk much about my life as a rule. I tend to say I live near Brighton with my husband, running the cafes, looking after... Her because, you know, that's easier to say. <clears throat> What's the alternative? Um, the papers found it out, of course. Won't have been hard to uncover. My little girl, Poppy, she was a November baby, so we named her like the... for remembrance. Um, and she was two and a half, and she... Well, it was all there in the papers about the accident in the playground. I don't like them. And people don't want you to burden them. And then... Oh, 
And then after she died, after everything with the funeral and the inquest and the... Stuart and I, um, well, we try to make it work, but it's very common, apparently. Um, yes, it's very common when a couple loses... Uh, you know, how can you... How can anybody pretend it's all... I came back to live with my dad round the corner from the Wilsons and Stuart... <laughs> um, I didn't cope well, I couldn't work and Stuart's capable. <laughs> Stuart's very capable. So... He looks, he looks after my son now, you see. Yeah, he's better off, they both are. And, of course, um, Stuart has help now from his girlfriend... Yeah. What do you mean, lies? I'd only just met them all. We were held hostage. I wasn't giving a full personal history. It was like, it was, you know, it was like we were in a different world. Do you know what I mean? In that shop, we didn't, we didn't know if we'd come out alive. I didn't lie deliberately. I didn't walk into the Wilsons that day thinking I'd end up staying 24 hours and lying about my life... I was just buying some sweets. I wasn't driving to my family. I haven't got a family. I didn't... I didn't find it easy, motherhood... Which actually, which isn't an easy thing to talk about when you're being held hostage at gunpoint in a Wilson's or ever. It isn't easy to talk about when you're pregnant or when you've got young children. And, um, and it's even less easy to talk about when one of the children is, you know, if you lose one. That's not the time to admit you found it difficult. Anyway, by that stage, even speaking is difficult. So, yep, so I live in my dad's flat, Oswald Road. I moved in with dad when Stuart and I couldn't afford the house and everything went a bit... So I sold the business and came back home. But since dad died, it's been... Yeah, um... And there, there are no jobs, so I've just, uh, I've just stopped looking. And then suddenly, this man, Carl, was pointing a gun in my face, and everyone was shouting, and it was an emergency situation. And I, I can't explain why, but on some level, I felt um, emboldened. Is that the word? I suppose that's what I felt for the first time in a long time. It, it just felt. Look, if everyone's asking you who's likely to miss you and everyone else is listing family members and you're 48 and you think you're about to die, well, actually, it's nicer to think your husband and family are waiting for you to come home. Some of the things the papers have said have been hurtful. You put photos on Facebook for your friends, don't you? They're not supposed to be... When we all started on Facebook, we were less we were less guarded. We didn't understand it. It was all chucking sheep at each other and finding out which of your classmates got fat. You don't expect 
a decade later that the tabloids will be digging up Christmas party pics that someone from the office posted and using them to prove you're a liar. found out about the poll, the one on Instagram. It said, is Naomi coming out D or A, dead or alive, innit? 64% voted D? I don't know who made that poll. The police rang Carl again. They told him the money was on the way and that he had to let one of us go like he'd promised. He didn't choose me this time and I thought, oh, perfect, exactly. That's why I shouldn't be doing videos every day, do you know what I mean? It was actually because he needed me for the video. I'll tell you about that later. It didn't really matter now anyway. He was going to let us all out soon. Never would have guessed what was coming, though. I'm not going to lie, I always knew there was something dodgy about Maggie. Like, she kept sneaking off like she was plotting something. The boy in him came out. It was only a matter of time. I guess you could say it got everyone's attention. It definitely got mine. He was weak, vulnerable. I thought we had another opportunity. Well, I had another opportunity. I knew I couldn't rely on the others. All the boys in blue outside, apparently. I was taking him down by myself. While Kemi had all the focus, I took a little stroll down one of the aisles and noticed the door with the code was ajar. Carl wasn't watching our movements anymore. Now was the time. I had something planned, something big. Now, I didn't mind a bit of kumbaya. I knew what I was really doing in that circle. Just needed to keep the psychopath in my sights. Kemi was leading with prayer, and they were... holding hands with each other. With Carl. I couldn't believe how everyone had straight up forgotten about Carl killing the manager. Now he was telling them about what drove him to do what he was doing. And those lot were listening. Not just listening, but trying to understand. What's to understand? If he got sacked from his job, that means he wasn't good enough. Big deal. It's how you bounce back what matters. Did I moan when the forces discharged me? No. They're entitled to their opinion, and I'm entitled to mine. No. I don't regret a thing. As a soldier, you can never make the right decision 100% of the time, but you make a decision, however scary, and you back it all the way till it's done. That's the way I've always done it in my professional career, and in my life. Heavenly Father, you are welcome in this place. Omnipresent One, you see everything. You see all our deeds, the good and the bad. Please, Lord, remember us for our good and have mercy on them for the bad. Look, thank you for the lives I'll be straight of each with you. and every hostage and our family. The scariest mission I've ever thank been you on for the life of our dear manager. is motherhood. When you're away for so long, 
you eventually get home and it's like you have to start all over again. Whenever I would come home, Ryan had changed. Not much, but just enough for me to not know where I stood with him. (laughs) You've got me acting like I'm back in that bloody prayer circle now. Look, I can't change the past, but I can be there for my boy now. Guide him as best as I can and help him become a man. I said words to that effect when I was there, holding both Naomi and Derek's hand. Our heads were bowed the whole time. I had one eye open, fixed on our enemy. When he first put that gun in my face, <laughs> feels like a lifetime ago now, and I saw the fear in his eyes. I saw a kid through the eye holes of that mask. But maybe, I don't know. Hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? Maybe if I'd seen him for what he was in that moment, a kid, Nadine would still be here. I take full responsibility for his death. No one else needs to suffer. I can carry this. What's one more charge anyway? I think I felt a bit calmer once I'd told them about Poppy. Derek was a very good listener. Everyone's got their own stuff going on, haven't they? I mean, we don't all wave a gun about inside a supermarket, but nobody finds stuff easy. I suppose that's what we started to realise. Carl was... The papers have made him out to be a bad guy. But life's not... Everyone's got their own stuff going on. Then Carl heard from the police that they'd got the money for him outside. We have not seen any online messages from Carl White, the gunman, in over two hours, but there are new developments happening here, as what we're showing you are the aerial shots of a vehicle approaching the Wilson siege, and what we're hearing is the ransom money that was demanded. There is quite a crowd gathered despite the cold, and there is a visual of the courier who is dropping, yes, has just dropped an undisclosed sum with the police negotiator for Carl White and any accomplices he may be working with. Stay tuned as things are changing by the minute and the ball, so to speak, is well and truly back on the other side of the court. Back to you. Siege. A BBC Cymru Wales production for Radio 4. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.